Thank you for tuning in to the Blind and Business Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Blind and Business Podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by one of our alumni, Peter Barton. Uh, Peter, thank you for joining us today and uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. No worries. Um, so today, we just want to kind of go through Peter's experiences and his journey, and maybe you can wrap it up um, talking about how um, we could advise uh, vision impaired young people um, when they're looking for work. Um, so I think today's going to be a very uh, insightful conversation. So first of all, Peter, I just wanted to start off by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm Peter, I'm 25, and I am now living in Surrey, but I grew up, um, spent most of my time growing up in and around West and Southwest London. So born in Isleworth, raised in Twickenham, went to, primary, went to a normal mainstream primary school in Twickenham, and for secondary, I went to NCW, which I'm sure most people know of as a blind, partially sighted school. Uh, and then I went on to Leeds Trinity Uni, where I studied business and marketing, managed it at a 2-1. And since then, I've worked at two different companies in their marketing departments. Brilliant. Um, and that's just to add on to that when um, at university. Um, we've I've spoken to many various different people about their experiences throughout university. Um, did you sort of receive any support um, or guidance while you were at university? Um, a little bit, yeah. So um, some of my lecture bits and bobs came in large print for me, which was useful. Um, a lot of the time it was a matter of the slides will be available later on Moodle for everybody. Mm-hmm. So it was a matter of I could um, go through the slides after the lecture in my own time, make meaningful notes. Um, a lot of the textbooks that were available um, were available through the uni's library website. So as a matter of I could read any of the textbooks I needed online. And it actually meant that over the three years while I was at uni, I never actually paid for a textbook. Okay, great. Ah, brilliant. Um... So fantastic. So it's good to see that you received some form of support. Um, again, when I've spoken to different people, not everyone receives the same amount of support that they perhaps could have got. So um, it's, it's interesting to hear different stories. Um, so kind of moving on from university, you spoke about that you studied in business and marketing. What was it about marketing that appealed to you? Why was it that you wanted to start a career in marketing? So actually... Getting into marketing, I kind of got into it in a bit of a strange way, if you like. Um, So throughout my A-levels, I was thinking at first because I wanted to study psychology at university. And then I kind of found business studies in my third year of doing A-levels. So I took three years to do my A-levels instead of two. And then it was kind of through a mix of psychology and business that I kind of found marketing. So it's sort of a combination of those two areas, um, which kind of led me into studying marketing and then naturally following studying that subject, using that to find a job. Brilliant. And Nat, 
talking about that look um trying to find a job and starting your career what would you say are the biggest challenges that you've had to face while looking for work or or during your career in general well in terms of looking for work one of the biggest challenges that i certainly faced and i think is not exactly an uncommon problem for blind and partially sighted people and also for people just starting out in their career whatever their career is is the amount of rejection that you're going to get certainly in the first few weeks or months of trying to find work um, now it might look like on my cv to employers that i spent six or seven weeks between university and um, landing my first job but the reality is my last lecture happened in march and I didn't land a job until September, in reality. I mean, for a lot of that time, there was obviously the gap of Easter and graduation. But I was looking for work on and off throughout that entire time, really, both up in Leeds, where I was uh, studying, and then later on down in London, where I was living. So. In terms of looking for work, um, it's kind of a matter of keeping on looking constantly, having as many job alerts switched on as possible, and just, if you like, treating it as a marathon rather than a sprint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, at Blind in Business, we always talk about how you've got to build up some form of resilience when it comes to, to job hunting because rejections will come. Um, it's just the natural part of the process. Um, but you can't take that personally and you've, you've got to keep going. And you're right, it's about the consistency as well. Um, you know, you want to have a high volume. Of course, you want them to be high quality applications, um, but, you know, it's all about just consistently um, put, putting them out there um, and just hoping that you will get that, you will get that call. Um, and you will do it if you continue to work hard and to push forward with your applications, you will, you will get that call eventually um but yeah absolutely it it does build up some resilience and determination within you um the, the the job hunt becomes the job in itself really uh but uh yeah if you keep pushing um and you you keep at it you you will get the reward in the end um i just wanted to talk about as well peter so when you finally did get to get get into work um what sort of support did you receive or reasonable adjustments did you require while in the workplace so the i mean the very first thing to do once getting into the workplace is apply to access to work mm -hmm. and you want to apply to that as soon as you get that letter saying we want to offer you the job and you've replied saying i accept the job for x amount of pay um so in terms of access to work you know, on both instances where i've been getting into work that access to work has not come straight away um, so with Haymarket, it was, I think, a couple of weeks. At Tembo, I think it was more like a month, but that was mm -hmm. a more recent um, job application and job offer. Um, so in terms of the access arrangements that I needed in the workplace, I mean, the biggest one I needed was a larger computer monitor so that I can kind of see what I'm doing and keep 
some sort of good posture at the computer screen rather than craning over and being scrunched up in a ball, if you like, all day trying to stare at something that you can sort of see but not see as well as everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And talking about reasonable adjustments as well, um, I wanted to get your opinions on sort of disability disclosure in general and what, you know, what do you think the best process is and how, what do you, what's the best way to approach to, um, talking to an employer about, about your disability? So personally, I take kind of two routes to this. Um, if the question is asked on the application form, do you consider yourself to have a disability? I always tick yes. And then I disclose just very briefly what my disability broadly is so no need to go into what your eye conditions are it's just i'm visually impaired and then a brief one liner two lines about um what adjustments you need for the application process so for me that would be things like extra time on any online tests and if they want me to read anything that they're going to give me on paper at the interview, I would like that in 18, bold, ideally. Yeah, so as we as we talk about a blind business, we, you know, we don't want anyone to suffer in silence. Um, you know, at the end of the day, disability disclosure is a personal choice, but it's always good at the start of the process. As you said, m- mostly, most of the time, it will be on the application form itself, um, or it might be, you know, an email to, to the person recruiting for the job um, before you go for the interview just to let them know what reasonable adjustments that you do need. And so that when you start a new position, you're in the best place possible. Um, and everyone knows where you stand and what, what, um, what you need um, to help you. You know, you don't want to be getting six weeks into a job and thinking, oh no, I, 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 never, men- I never mentioned that I need reasonable adjustments and now I'm going to be struggling. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think at the start of the process is, is definitely the best way, best way to go. Um, and talking about, you know, just the entire job hunting process in general and reasonable adjustments and disability dis- disclosure, you know, these are obviously things that blind and business help candidates with. What What has your experience been like working with blind and business and how have they helped you? Yeah, so I've kind of yo-yoed to and from blind and business a few times. So um, my first real encounter with them was doing the education to employment program, mm-hmm. which I've done twice, I think, once straight after, pretty much straight after I failed my A-levels first time round. And then the second time was uh, either second or third year university. Um, so that was useful for um doing some real interview prep work. So having actual recruiters come in and people from companies sit down with us and go through some kind of generic interview questions, some of which still get asked in interviews today, some of which I found do not get asked so much. Um, So that's useful. Um, in terms of assessment centres, I mean, I would say take it or leave it, but that's yeah. just personally from me working in marketing. I, In my whole time of being in work or looking for work, I think I've been to one real assessment centre. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they do vary. Um, some some employees decide to do them, some don't. Um, what, what was the activity that you did uh, for the HH2 employment event? I think remember it was uh, water. It was actually yeah, it was meant to be water skiing, and then for whatever reason, the water skiing couldn't go ahead. So we went to Liquid Leisure in Windsor. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, we um, on my particular event, we went uh, white water rafting, which I've which was really really fun. It wasn't it was something I'd never done before, but I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really valuable event in itself, the Education to Employment event. Um, you know. It, is able to bring together a group of like-minded individuals uh, who are able to connect and talk about their experiences um, and allow them to bond. Um, and also it's a great opportunity to network with members of the alumni and to also with also people who are doing the mock, mock interviews and mock assessment centers. Um, so a, a great opportunity to, to sharpen those employability skills. Um, so that's fantastic that you, you went along to that event. Um, so, so moving forward then, Peter, what, what would you say are your long-term goals now? Um, so, I mean, long-term, if I'm, if I'm going to stay in marketing um, for my career, then ideally at some point I would like to um, progress beyond the marketing exec level and maybe go up to head up towards that marketing manager sort of level. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a reasonable mid to long-term goal of mine. Um, how much higher I want, would want to go beyond marketing manager, I don't know. Um, alternatively, I have sort of pondered about the idea of having been in marketing for three years, whether now is the right time to maybe have a slight change of direction um, which is why I've also been looking recently at sales roles as well as marketing because um, again I can use similar skills to try and get a good role and potentially progress beyond being a junior sales person up into the sales manager and beyond potentially yeah it's always a good idea to keep your options open to be flexible and to look into various different fields and we talk about you know blind business talk about um transferable skills and uh, it's important to identify what what skills have i used before um and what and where can i um, transfer them to um and what other roles could i use those skills so yeah um hopefully um for your sake you know you'll be able to to find it to find something that's going to suit you and um, where you're going to be able to really show those skills um, because you've already built up a good, um, a good amount of experience. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very hopeful that, you know, in the future, you're going to, you're going to be progressing on that ladder. Um, so just to wrap up now, Peter, in terms of kind of general, general thoughts and ideas about looking for work as a visually impaired young person, um, what, what would you say are the most important things to look out for when uh, applying for jobs? I know we've touched on a couple of things previously, but what, what things do you think are important to look out for? So, I mean, there are a few of the basic things that I always look for um, before I apply for a job. So I'm looking at, um, where possible, looking at the salary, um, looking at sort of the, obviously take a look through the job description and make sure you can 
do the majority of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the biggest one to look out for is the location of the job. And this is particularly relevant to jobs that say that they are based in London. Yeah. Um, now, London is obviously quite a large area. Um, and what some jobs will do is they will say that this job is based in London and then give the first half of the postcode. And this is, you know, this is really important because for me, based out in Staines, I know Staines is not in London, but if you think of it as London, it is extreme west. So I wouldn't want to take a job that was based in a postcode that started with E or SE and then a large number, because that's going to be way out in east or southeast London. And that's going to take forever to get to each day. So it's a matter of making sure that that job is in a location that you can actually access every single day. I mean, in terms of being visually impaired, um, I mean, I don't know for everybody what people would think of remote working, hybrid working or working in the office. I mean, for some people, they really like remote working. Personally, I really don't like remote working. Um, I would much rather be office-based or working um, in a hybrid office, but the majority of my time being actually in office rather than sitting at home in front of a computer screen. Yeah, it's it's different for everyone, isn't it? Some people enjoy the remote aspect of working, um, but some like more of a balance and... um, split out between homework and office work um it comes down to personal preference and you know what the flexibility is like at the particular company that you're applying applying to um and also just to add on the point of mobility as well it's a great point you bring up especially in the london area um some people forget how big london actually is um and so for many job postings they will just have london as their location um you know and people will often just go and apply for it because oh it's in london that's that's an easy commute for me but actually when you look a bit deeper as you said it could be right on the other side of the city and it becomes more of a struggle to get there um there is always the option with access to work in terms of they can provide mobility support um so that could be funding for taxis for example so it may open up a few more options for you if you are looking for a role that may be a little bit too far away to get to via train or um i mean personally i try to avoid role uh, going for roles that are so far away that i would require a taxi mm-hmm. kind of on the basis that taxis get stuck in traffic yeah. anywhere and everywhere and the train generally doesn't get stuck in traffic or Generally, speaking, it runs relatively on time and the same sort of time every single day. Yeah, I can just imagine if I were to be reliant on taxis that uh, I may not be able to guarantee that I'd be arriving at work for nine o'clock or quarter past nine or whatever the start time is. Yeah, that's that's that is certainly a problem, especially with London traffic as well. That's um, it's definitely not easy. Um, yeah, also faced with where where I'm living, um, it's kind of an equal distance for me to get, or an equal time for me to get into London as it is to get out to somewhere like Bracknell or Reading. So 
it's a matter of I may have to, if I were to use a taxi, I would then have to be contending with the likes of the M25 and the M4 to try and get to work. Yeah, absolutely. Eight in the morning are going to be solid traffic jams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the, the overall point really is is to, as you said, assess your options when applying for a job in, in terms of assessing your commuting options. Is this is this actually going to be viable for me? Um, and then and then going and moving forward from there. Um, as I said, you know, discussions could, could be possibly had with your employer about flexibility around hybrid. Uh, hybrid working conditions whether you know you may want two days uh, working from home will that kind of ease that the stress of commuting if that is something that does concern you um so these are discussions that can be had had um but it is as you say it is very important to to really assess the location when you are when you are applying for jobs um but yeah brilliant well thank you for uh, joining us today Peter on the podcast it's been a great conversation and some really good um, tips uh, and also really valuable to kind of go through your experience and how you've how you've uh, progressed in your career so thank you for joining us today thank you thank you um, so as we always say here at Blind in Business you know we are open to supporting vision impaired young people um, so we're always happy for you to get in contact with us uh, contact us via our social media channels so uh, you can follow us on twitter at blind in business you can follow us on our instagram as well um, at official blind in business and you can also add us on facebook um, at blind in business as well um, so thank you very much today for um, tuning into the blind in business podcast and we will see you soon have a good day